Hey everybody, it's Zach, uh, also known as username Zach17. Welcome to the Rock Pile Talk Pile, the podcast of the subreddit for the Colorado Rockies. Um, today we got John. John, username JFoster15. We got Jason. I'm Jason, JSA17. And we've got Alex joining us. Hey guys, I'm Fake Plastic Alex. I do the flares and all that stuff. No less about baseball than everybody else, but just as big a part of the sub, I'd say. He makes Probably up over it with heart. <laughs> do you like your dinger flare? It's because of me. So, the other thing we kind of want to talk about is um, if you're actually just listening to this because you happen to research podcasts of the Colorado Rockies or don't know what Reddit is or subreddits are. Um, we started this as a kind of a subdivision of the website Reddit, and our site is basically an aggregation of different uh, links, information, videos, photos. Um, users go on the site and can post uh, information or opinions. Um, we have game day threads where people watch the games together. Um, and one of the reasons we're mentioning this, because all the people in the suburb are probably like, come on, Zach, we, we know what this is, is um, we got an interesting message earlier this week um, from Roxpile. And uh, Jason, what's Roxpile? So for those of you that on the sub that aren't necessarily aware of Roxpile, Roxpile works with a website called Fansided, and Fansided works with their podcasts uh, with Sports Illustrated and Bleacher Report. So we got a message the other day from Roxpile asking if we would like to push our podcast out through them. Um, not only now will the podcast still be published on SoundCloud and you can still listen to it the way you have been listening to it, but it will also show up on the Roxpile website, which is roxpile.com. Um, part of that is that not only will it you know, allow more people to listen to the podcast, it will also give the sub a little bit more of a voice among users that haven't necessarily heard of us before. And, and hopefully that will uh, let you guys come on and talk about things that are important to you and give you a voice on that. Holy. Also, every, when it's published on Roxpile, they will put out an article describing what the podcast is about, um, what we covered that day, give some timestamps and things like that. So hopefully going forward, it'll really give the sub a new voice to people that uh, haven't heard us before. Yeah. So people who've already been in the sub for a while, prepare to be, uh, you know, lauded by the by the newbies who are coming in hopefully but it's kind of a big deal i think rocks pile goes with fan-sided fan-sided goes with like a what's sports illustrated uh derivative or something sports illustrated and bleacher report is who they publish their podcasts through. yeah so we are still the official podcast of the colorado Rockies subreddit that's not changing we're not accepting any money um or at least not overtly i mean um we accept public uh uh, we accept bribes, though, from politicians. So oh, I'll take some Dogecoin, maybe. Uh, Mike Pence, President Trump, we definitely take bribes. Please. Yeah, they pay enough. Um, the other thing that I was about to mention is how close we are. I mean, we're probably going to gain a couple of users here and there, but did you guys see how many uh, people are subscribed to the Rockpile now? We're getting close to that 5,274, guys. We have six we're more. We're going to tomorrow. I know we have six more until we um, hit five thousand two hundred eighty, and I got to shout out some money for people who want their first drink on me to celebrate the fact that we have five thousand two hundred eighty members. So, 
thanks for uh, being a part of things, guys. We'll let you know about um, that kind of party, and maybe at that party we might watch some Mass Start speed skating. John, what's Mass Start speed skating? NASCAR on ice is how they've been describing it. NASCAR I'm excited to watch this. Mass Start speed skating for you guys that don't know, if you participated in the fantasy baseball last year, Mass Start Speed Skating is how we're going to determine draft order this year. Last year it was ice dancing. This year it's Mass Start It was speed junior men's ice dancing, okay? It's very specific. Yeah. Get it right. Come on. <laughs> Sorry, I, yeah. But obviously we have a fetish for ice sports. If you haven't picked <laughs> up Mass Start Speed Skater yet. Not know. junior fetish. We're just, that's what was available at the time. Let's just relax, guys. <laughs> All I'm saying is you guys got no chance against my guy, Harold Silovs from Latvia. What a boring name. You should have gone with Silovs? Norwegian. Who are you? Of course you picked a guy from the Netherlands, John. Why does that not surprise me? Cohen Varij. Is that how you pronounce a J at the end? Or is it like Varij? I, I don't know. There was, not... was Kiki Van who played for the Nuggets. He was W-E-T-E. He was Wedge. Wait, are you saying that the Nuggets player is in mass start speed skating? No, I'm just saying that they're pretty oh. former Nuggets GM, by the way. Yeah, so that's a two sport player. That's all you know, that's a pairing that makes a lot of sense. You know, Even if you can college. sprint on the court, yeah. you can sprint on the ice. He's no Dave Logan, but he's close. All I'm saying is that February twenty fourth, <laughs> <laughs> no Dave Logan. Well, February twenty fourth, twenty eighteen at eight forty five Korean time, um, there's gonna be a mass start speed skating, so Maybe we'll like record or something and watch it at um, what's our bar again? Uh, Come on, Zach. Blake Street you Tavern, right? That's usually where we go. They're not paying us, obviously. It's just they're close to the stadium. They've hosted things before, so. If they were to, though. <laughs> I mean, we do take like Dogecoin. Or, or, <laughs> you know what we really need is a Dinger coin, you know. It could look just like that Bitmoji. I was waiting for that. Oh, God. I think I had a yeah. nightmare. Yeah, that's going to be the new background. Background or Snapchat? That. that has to be on the, on, the, on the subreddit somewhere. Yeah. Was it through yeah, Snapchat? make that uh, flare option, the new, the new Bitmoji, because I think it's just hilarious. <laughs> it was like you got to make if, it like the uh, Tony Walters face in the background. Oh, God. Now, that would be sweet. That would be bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was like if like the Rugrats like Chucky grew up and then painted his like body purple. <laughs> and just gain yeah. 300 pounds. It's weird because I feel like purple face isn't a racist thing, but it felt racist. <laughs> it was like, racist towards dinosaurs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so I guess... Um, right. So besides mass start speed skating and racism towards dinosaurs and the rocks pile, um, we were trying to round things out and catch up to everybody else. Um, we've already talked about the first base, about every god darn... Gosh darn podcast already. Gosh darn. Um, and we already talked about the rotation. Um, but we haven't talked about these uh, these relief pitchers, or as we call it, the super pen. Super pen. So, um, do you want to start from the top, or do you want to start from the bottom? Who do you want? Do you want to start with the people who probably won't make it, or do you want to start with the people already in there? Let's start with the, the, the guys that we've signed this offseason. They're the people that are, people are less likely to know about. Yeah, so who's this guy named Wade Davis? Wade Davis. I, I, believe, Wade his, Davis. I believe his real name is Wade Bot, is what I've Wade Bot. the rumor around town. <laughs> or maybe he's from Davos. The Latvian speed starter skater. 
<laughs> Everybody's from Lafayette these days. Or we just call them the Onion Knight, you know? So we got the Onion Knight. Or the Onion... What the guy? I'm trying to make a Game of Thrones reference, and it's not going over. No, it's not going well. You missed the mark. There's something about onions in there. Talk about Wade Davis. We got Wade Davis comes in. Um, for those of you who I'm sure are aware, pitch for the Cubs last year. Uh, and something John and I were talking about before we started today is that when you compare Greg Holland and Wade Davis side by side last year, uh, Wade Davis was actually significantly better than Greg Holland. Hmm. And surely you could account some of that to Coors Field. I mean, it's, that is a factor. But if you look at 2015, um, the last year that Davis was healthy before he had Tommy John surgery, Wade Davis and Greg Holland pitched in the same ballpark, and Wade Davis was significantly better than Greg Holland in 2015 as well. So it really projects that it's a better pickup than I think even we thought. A lot of us thought it was on paper. It just it looks good. It looks really good. Especially if we actually offer the exact same deal. Is a Tommy John recovery? I mean, the first season back isn't typically um, – they don't reach like the, the, the form again until the second season, right? There was definitely some um, issues with. He uh, pitched through it, didn't he? Yeah, he did. You could tell certainly in August. You could tell that Wade or uh, excuse me, Greg Holland was was tired, um, and that that can happen. So I'd be curious to see his 2018 season and wherever he ends up if he does end up somewhere. Holy cow! But um, like I said, even even prior to Wade Davis or Greg Holland again having Tommy Davis was. He was better. So there's a, there's a couple stats out there that most people aren't aware of. There's just fielding independent pitching, and basically that's a stat of what your ERA would be based on the three true outcomes: uh, walks, balls, or walks, strikeouts, and home runs, or what the pitcher can account for. Because you're and not you have having a stat which is called XFIP. Yeah, it's called XFIP, and XFIP um, decide it kind of applies FIP, but it's based on how many home runs you should have given up. Home runs are a pretty lucky stat and they're not very sustainable stat. So you can normalize them with XFIP and then you have XFIP minus, which is park adjusted and in XFIP FIP and XFIP minus Davis across the last few years has been, um, you know, 25, 30% better in every one of those categories. Than has been. Do you want to run through this one more time? Just really quickly. The, so FIP is basically, uh, things that the pitcher cannot determine or can determine by himself. <laughs> And determined. So basically, the three the three outcomes that a pitcher has control of are walks, strikeouts, and home runs. And then anything else dependent on their fielding. So so FIP is fielding independent pitching. It removes that stat. And then you go XFIP, which is what they're expected. So XFIP is what they're expected. How many home runs they're expected to give up? Because again, home runs are a fairly kind of lucky stat, and they're not a normalized stat in the sense that like a guy could go hit the same baseball. 20 times and it might be a home run 10 times or it might be a home run two times or it might be a home run 18 times but when you can look at some of those and decide like how many of those probably should have been home runs and then you had an x fit minus which is park adjusted okay and, it's, it's the, and i would i would mention with fit um that it obviously came out before like stat cast and everything so um as we get more stat cast stuff um fit's kind of being Overtaken, uh, not rehauled necessarily, but rethought of. Um, so there's they're starting to get some new statistics um, that I've been trying to learn about. Um, like uh, Woba's uh, is weighted, weighted on, on base, base. average, um, and now with the Statcast stuff, they have expected weighted on base average, and so they have it for a hitter and they have it for a pitcher. I don't know enough about it, um, but the little bit that I have uh, been able to decipher. 
um, is it's going to be a little bit better than um, stats like FIP, especially for uh, relievers, just because the sample size is much smaller. So like last year, Kenley Jansen had, I think, like a an expected weighted on base of like 100, something like 119. It was ridiculously low. Um, so for right now, for the next few years, I think that we're going to start seeing these these stats based on stat cast be a little bit better for relievers. Right. And uh, for so the, one thing the basic uh, weighted on base percentage average, weighted on base average kind of tells people exactly how good of a hit is given up. You know, singles versus doubles um, versus triples have more weight based on what they're given up. Um, and so obviously the lower uh, weight on a base average for a pitcher, the better. I mean, you could have a pitcher give up a triple every time, a pitcher give up a single every time, and the hit is the same. You know, hits per nine is the same, but the weighted on base average is the difference. Yeah, quick, and, oh, and there's walks. For fan graphs, if anybody, if you're ever listening to this and there's a stat that gets thrown out, fan graphs glossary on all of their um, different terms and stats and everything like that is actually hugely informative, more so than say baseball reference or things like that. Yeah, that's how I got my started with advanced statistics was just going on fan graphs and just reading about everything that I could find. Mm -hmm. And they'll even give you the formulas for it. Um, You won't necessarily be able to do it on your own just because (laughs) there's a a lot of the pitching ones have what's called a constant that they weighted on and that changes from year to year. So you wouldn't necessarily be able to calculate these yourself, right. um, but that's how I learned about all of them. And whenever there's a new one out, if you start seeing somebody mention it, like expected on ba- weighted on base, just go research it on Fangraphs. We'll give you the best information, and then if you want to, you can research it further. Um, cool. But Fangraphs is the easiest way. Come to the subreddit. Ask us um, on the uh, comments page of where we posted on the subreddit. You know reddit.com slash r slash Colorado Rockies. Um, yeah, basically we can do a comparison in Fangraphs and show that Wade Davis is, is actually much better than Greg Holland uh, most of the time um, since basically age 28 or the, since 2014. Greg Holland's really distinguished himself. Um, left on base percentage is much um, higher for Wade Davis. Um, the... I think it was these strikeouts were better. Everything was just, it's a better deal, you know. Well, how about, um, for those of us who aren't into the advanced statistics, wins and losses are the best pitcher stats I've heard. Um, where where do they compare uh, on, on those metrics? Or that metric? If somebody's, like, like, I'll just put it this way, that if somebody's looking at advanced stats or they're, look, they're into advanced stats at all, they don't care what happens. <laughs> Wins a lot. They will murder you for it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, there we are on the show again. Do Alex's house to murder him right now. <laughs> so let's just do one more like Holland's uh, versus Davis thing. Um, so the thing that worries me about Holland is the same thing that worried me about. I mean, the thing that happens when we sign somebody is we have the classic they should be good and they're not fallacy. We had. Um, Jake McGee was terrible his first year. As the was, injury. Yeah, and Parra was also terrible, you know. Is Davis going to be terrible this first year? Who's to say? I don't think he'll be terrible. Um, I don't think he's going to be worth his contract, but, you know, Coors Tex, you got to pay for the extra. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot of people don't like to use wins above replacement for relievers just because they don't have the opportunity to. 
Um, so there's wind probability added, um, which works a little bit better for relievers, puts them on an even plane. Um, last year, Kenley Jansen was the best at like five and a half uh, wins, uh, wind probability added. And last year, um, Wade Davis was three and a half. So still pretty good, but not elite, obviously. Um, his year with the Royals two years ago, he was only, he was just shy of two. Um, three years ago when he really got going, his win probability added was four and a half almost. So I think we'll see somewhere in between that three and a half and, and a half. two. Um, I think he'd still be pretty good for us, but probably not worth the money in the end. But, you know, you kind of got to pay a little bit more to get a pitcher at Colorado. Well, are you also like, you like your um, WPA minus more than your WA plus? I don't know enough about that one. I haven't researched much about it, so I don't really want to spout that and, all right. Not know what I'm talking about. Well, we'll look into it, but it looks pretty good from here. Um, the only other thing that I think would concern us is fly ball percentage, and he used to be all the way at 61 percent on the Royals in 2014, and now he's down to 48 percent last year. Um, I'm sorry, that's fastball percentage. Fly ball percentage. Um, was he's only gave up 38 percent of fly balls, and I think that's what I would worry about if somebody going to course for the first time and 38% fly balls with a 40% ground ball is not terrible. It's pretty good. What you heard from when, from Cubs fans, at least Cubs fans on, on Reddit, uh, was that their thought on Wade Davis signing with the Rockies wasn't that Davis would be terrible or anything like that, but there were certainly a lot of Cubs fans mentioning all the loud fly ball outs that, that Davis gave up at Wrigley. And you know that Wrigley can get the wind going and it can be blowing out it could be blowing in you never know with that ballpark but right something they mentioned is that there were a lot of ninth inning balls caught at the wall and how are those ninth inning balls caught at the wall going to hold up in Coors Field if he starts giving those up where, where does he end up we could also go to soft medium hard percentage rate um his soft percentage rate last year is 28 percent his medium was 42 percent his hard is about 30 percent um last year and on average he's giving up medium percentage most of the time and i think we were last time we were talking what was it like anderson has got a really good like soft percentage rate or something anderson uh and kyle freeland were both pretty good at that that's kind of their that's how they stay successful Uh um is that and i've always said uh, when a lot of people ask you know what do you think works in tours creating soft contact i don't care how you do it that's that's how you're going to be successful in tours it's just creating as much soft contact as you can. So the next person who um, is going to have to try this difficult transition too is a guy named Brian Shaw. How do you guys feel about this signing? Part of me personally I, loved it. Yeah. Because I, I, he's, he is a guy that pitched a ton of innings, and so that can be slightly concerning, but he's never really had any injury issues. And so he, I know Terry Francona used him me. as sort of the – you know, back up Andrew Miller. The other Andrew Miller. He just kind of, yeah, he just kind of threw him out there as much as he could. Um, and when he felt like he needed him out there, I think he threw... 76 last guys, year. Yeah, That's he threw in a pretty good amount of innings. Um, he's a ground ball kind of guy. 56 um, He's not going to strike out a ton of guys. I mean, he'll strike out enough. Um, but he's more equipped for ground ball. I mean, his ground yeah. ball percentage is almost 56%. You know, I also love... What I also love about uh, relief pitchers is low home runs per nine because you cannot give a home run as a relief pitcher. I mean, you can, but you really shouldn't. And he had 0.59 last year per nine innings. 
something with with the with the Brian Shaw signing, the Wade Davis signing, and the Holland signing last year, and how McGee has trended is you know McGee came over in the Corey Dickerson trade, and you got to wonder how much of his struggles that first year were him going, holy shit, I have to pitch in Coors Field now, mm-hmm. and not by choice, right? Whereas you know came in by choice, had a great season. Wade Davis and Brian Shaw both signed free agent contracts with us. I, I mean, you got to figure that the mentality of those two guys can be different than somebody like McGee. Yeah, he's sent here and all of a sudden threw it in the fire. And McGee could probably tell them, like, this is what happened to me. This is how I got over it or something like that. Well, apparently McGee was instrumental in getting Wade here because they were teammates with the Rays. Um, mm. So I guess when we reached out to Wade to start talking about our interest with him, he um, and McGee had a conversation about everything. So I would assume if he ended up signing with us that McGee had a part in mm. making sure that he did. Could we give a shout out to Steve Foster real quick too? That's my boy. Right, Steve Foster is—he was the Royals' uh, bullpen coach when they were just amazing, and so far, I mean, we are having much better bullpens with since Steve Foster. So you know, so Steve Foster was a part of that Q and A session a couple weeks ago, and uh, I don't know if you guys have seen those on Periscope or anything like that. Like I've said before, they're available, but. He was kind of funny when it came to the robot umpires. You get a lot of calls for the robot umpires. Um, he, Steve Foster, especially, is is against them because he thinks that they would hurt hitters, which was kind of interesting to me. Hmm. Yeah, I actually listened to uh, Effectively Wild, I think it was. Had a guy from uh, either Baseball America or Baseball Prospectus. Um, and he was talking about, uh, you know, a lot of the time when you get that 0-2 and there's kind of like a an iffy pitch that could either be a ball or a strike the umpire overwhelmingly will call it a ball or yeah, yeah. Hmm. And so now there's this guy was saying if you went with the regimented strike zone and you had a computer you're going to see a lot of guys strike out especially that first year that they implement them right and there's just going to be a ton of strikeouts because that computer is not going to care that it's o2 count but and is Foster's it? thought on it was a guy like Kershaw who throws that big looping curveball that if that curveball catches any part of the strike zone, it's a strike. So if he throws a big looping curveball that catches the very back edge of the plate, it's a strike. If it catches the very front edge of the plate, it's a strike. And there's so many ways that he can throw that pitch. Just can't really hit it, and it'll be a strike every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the pitchers, he was against it. Like I said, as a pitching coach, that was a little surprising because you feel like it'd be an advantage for the pitcher. Um, but the only hitter that was on that board was Tony Walters. And when he asked Tony Walters what Tony would think of a of a robot called Strike Zone, Walters was was completely against it. He was not a fan of that at all. Yeah. So um, I was going to say the only thing about Brian Shaw um, that I was just like looking at that I really liked um, – his ground ball percentage yes, last year, 56%. So when we're talking about ground ball percentage, where does 56% rate with uh, the rest of the league? I'm thinking that I always heard it was like like 45, I thought, but we should probably find the average. I know for a fact the average is lower than 56. Yeah. Um. So the other person we were talking about, um, besides Brian Shaw, was our boy Jake McGee. So on ground ball percentage, really quickly, uh, here's a stat that I was not aware of. The best team last year, uh, ground ball percentage-wise, was 48.5%, and it was your Colorado Rockies. Hey! 
Yeah, boy. Boy. All right. Um, let's see. The, the league average ground ball percentage is about 44%. So I'm looking at qualified pitchers. Uh, Marcus Stroman was the best qualified pitcher at 62.1 ground ball percentage. Luis Perdomo and Clayton Richard of the Padres were 62 oh. and 60. Okay, Pods. Hey, Luis Perdomo's pretty awesome. I'm just going to throw that out there. I like him. Thank you. Um, Padres, we should be kind of scared of the Padres. I don't know if a lot of people care, uh, but their farm system is stacked, and in about three years, they're going to be really good. Which is why we should sign somebody now and win now. But Are you are you thinking it's going to be an Astros situation then? I mean, it's gonna, you know, they're going to go from garbage to World Series? Yeah, I mean— sure. I, uh, I'm doing research right now. My minor league draft for my 30-team dynasty league is going on right now. Look at you. And whenever I am looking through minor league stuff, there are Padres guys that just pop. And they pop consistently. And so if you look, I think we've gone through, we're almost through round three. I think they have either the most or the second most guys drafted. Hmm. I mean, they, these guys. And this isn't like we, we can't draft top 100 guys because we've, we've been in this league for a few years. So there's not a lot of top 100 guys available. Uh, but once you get outside those top 100, there's a lot of Padres guys that pop. Sure. So in three years, let's worry about the Padres. Um, but for now, we still have a really, really great pen. Is there other people in the pen you guys wanted to talk about? Like Jake McGee had a really good year. Do you guys think Ottavino comes back? You know, if Otto just has to find that. If he finds his control, he's so unhittable. So good. His control last year was such a disaster. Yeah. And, and, you know, like Alex was saying earlier with Tommy John, um, was last year, last year was his first year or his second year back from Tommy John, right? Or, didn't he come so. back mid-year last year? Yeah. No, mid-year. Mid-year 2016. we're going to see a better Ottavino this year just simply because he's going to be a year removed from that Tommy John. Ugh. And, I, I mean, he throws from such a angle. You know, he toes that third base side mm. and he throws that across his body. And so if you are even off by, you know, any little thing in his mechanics, that ball is not going to find the strike zone. Yeah, so Otto was real bad last year with control. He had a 6.58 walks per nine last year. That's ugly. For anybody that doesn't know, that's really bad. That's really bad. <laughs> well, our average is usually like two. We all, didn't like Ty- we all didn't like Tyler Chatwood. He's at like four or something. Yeah, I, I could probably go for it. Walks per nine is about 3.25, so that we know it's almost double that. And his home runs were just awful again. So maybe Otto comes back, but I don't think you can take him out of the bullpen yet because he's just that potential. Yeah, the guy that I'm most excited for next year is definitely Oberg. Oberg. Pumping 101 in that wild card game. That I know we've all been real skeptical to say the least. He's either Noberg or Broberg. We're doing Broberg this year. Let's go Broberg. I'm feeling, I'm feeling Broberg this year. No, oh, Noberg. Oh, Noberg. Um, yeah, pumping 101 in a wild card game. That's got to say something. You'd hope. Um, yeah, sounds like a Joel's and Maya. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you guys excited for Russin coming out of the pen again? Oh, Andrew Miller 2.0. So I was mentioning to them before the podcast started, I watched that Top 10 Relievers by MLB Network. And so they would uh, talk about Andrew Miller and how many innings he's thrown. And Chris Russell was right there with him. Obviously, he's not as effective as Andrew Miller, but he gives us a ton of innings and can cut, and is willing to come in in any scenario. 
that's extremely valuable. Maybe he's not the best guy out there, but man, he helped us out so much. He was probably one of the most important people on the team last year. He was. Even if he's a, an above-average pitcher that can come into some of the situations he came into and lock it down, like you'll take above-average in those situations all day long because so many years of the Rockies, we've had guys coming in that you're like, well, that, I mean, that's game over. Right. And when Russell came in last year, you're like, all right, like you, you know that that guy is going to go out and give it an effort and get out of it. Yeah. More often. The other thing I love about um, Russin is his splits. He's a He's a lefty, so obviously he should be good against lefties. Except he's actually better against righties. The average that righties had against him was 217 with a 271 on base percentage. That was just ridiculous. Yeah, he, he likes to change his foot placement on the rubber, too. I don't know if anybody ever notices this, but can, depending on the count and depending on the hitter, he will change where he's standing on the pitching mound, which doesn't, it helps his average stuff play up because he's throwing from different angles. He'll change his arm angles sometimes, and it just helps him kind of keep the hitters off guard with fairly average stuff. And then he keeps, and then he keeps them off guard with a quick pitch. Oh, my God, the quick pitch. Yeah, Justin Turner. How do we not have, like, uh, there's anything that I miss. That's one of the things I miss most about the Rockies right now is that quick pitch. Ugh. Hey, Russell, I mean, I hate to go back to that Q&A, but they talked about it at the Q&A, and it was definitely something that he's like, he's going to continue using it. He was very willing to talk about using quick pitch. Yeah, so Just as long as he doesn't get called for a balk, yeah, we didn't have that many balks last year. Rockies had last year. It seems like the Rockies had a lot of balks last year. Somebody can probably look for that while we uh, talk about the guy who's going to try to have a better year this year, uh, Mike Dunn. You know, you he, know who was second on the team in wins probability added was Mike Dunn. Really? Yeah, Chris Russell was number one just based off the scenarios he was in. But number two was Mike Dunn. So that's interesting why we talk about wins probability average because you think, like, Mike Dunn is not a good pitcher or something because you'd say, well, look at his ERA. It's 4.47. But, I mean, his K per nine is, like, 10.19, which is pretty good. Walks weren't that great. Left on base was 77%, which is, which is decent. But if he added wins, he's valuable. Well, and I know a lot of... Marlins fans were kind of talking about how he had home run problems a lot mm-hmm. um, in his time with Miami. So that's what I was most worried about was home runs. Yeah, it, it never felt like a big issue for him last year. I never felt that he was a home run machine. Well, I mean, I his... like when when I felt like when Mike Dunn was was roughed up, it was because he could not locate a pitch. I mean, it's possible his walks were not were not great. He did have a 13.1% home run per fly ball, which is which is not great. It was one of his worst years because he just came to Coors. The other thing that concerned me is his hard percentage is up at 35%. And I think other people we've been talking about around like 30 or, or less for hard percentage. And if you're getting a ball hit hard at Coors Field, that's tons of extra bases. Yeah, and I would mention, I think the start of the year, he was really good. Mm-hmm. He, he was lights out. Yeah. Had that back issue, came off the DL, and there were some murmurs that he might not have been completely healthy coming back from the DL on that. And then towards the end of the year, he was closer to the first beginning of the year stuff. Yeah. So I feel like a healthy Mike Dunn, mm-hmm. while not tremendous, is above average, which, I mean, from a, well, a guy who's going to pitch probably the seventh inning. 
Yeah. It's not too bad. Well, but speaking above, above average, we're talking about XFIP minus that um, expected fielding unit percentage um, minus anything under 100 would be better than average, correct? And correct. Yeah. He, uh, he had 109 last year, saying he was 9% worse. And the year before that was 6% worse. So he's he's trying to get to average. I would really appreciate if Mike Dunn stepped up. And I think he has the tools available, if we all remember what happened in like April and May. But things just changed after that. Mike Dunn's... You look at some of his numbers, and and throughout April, he had... In April. Uh, It was March and April is where he just killed it. His on-base percentage was only allowed 241. He did 185 average. And then May comes around. He gives up like uh, 444 on-base percentage and 800 slugging. Just lost it. One so th- hopefully we get a full healthy season out of Dunn. We'll see more of the March, April, early May done than we saw of the rest of the season done. If you look at his season, and if we, we, like, we cherry-pick a stat, which I'm going to do right now, uh, if we just look at his ERA just for that um, – for that those months, his ERA in March and April is 1.17. Amazing. Goes to 9.35 in May, then down to 6.3, then down to 1.04 in July, back up to 2.61, all the way back up to 7.2. I mean, it's because these are based in like seven to ten innings at a time. We get April, July, August, Mike Dunn, we're set. And if it's May, June, and September, Mike Dunn. Look out. Do you think maybe he like he pitches really well, then somehow gets injured, doesn't talk about it, then takes his time time away, and then goes back to his one point oh four ERA? Maybe he's just a fatigue guy too. Maybe he's somebody that just doesn't talk about his arm being tired. Yeah, Mike, speak up. Well, and back issues. We saw that with Todd Elton. Yeah. What was that Elton? You know, do with the the opponents. I mean, if you're only pitching seven, ten times, I mean, you know, you're such a small amount if you're facing you know lights out hitting three times in in one of the months like i mean aren't your numbers going to be true greatly yeah i can get a bb ref real quick and check that out yeah i mean it could be based on who you're facing i mean if you're facing the dodgers more often in certain months then you're going to be higher but yeah, I, mean, I know we were just trying to, you're, well done. You were just trying to illustrate the point that you know yeah. there are. <laughs> no, I'm I don't I'm not saying it's a perfect <laughs> argument at all. I'm just saying if you have a one ERA and a nine ERA, that's yeah. a real big difference between then a one and a four. You know, right, right. It, it is a small right. sample size, but that's what we kind of kind of have. And then the average also speaks for itself too in those splits. So Mike Dunn has this potential that we've seen before. Can he keep with it? All right. So April Dunn. Gave up one run on April 22nd to the Giants. Ugh. And then in May, he gave up two to the Cubs, who I think we all agree is pretty good offense. He gave up mm. three to Cincinnati, who, say what you want about their pitching, their offense is pretty good. That's right. Gave up two to Philly, which, nah, yeah. let's see. In June, three to the Giants again. So it doesn't seem like it matters who the opposing offense is. <laughs> it might be like... Sometimes it just doesn't happen, apparently. Yeah which is not what you want a bullpen pitcher, but he has the potential. Speaking of potential, I think the guy who's going to round out the bullpen is Wild Thing. Carlos Estevez. Man, I've been waiting for Wild Thing to step up for, what, three years now? He throws, he throws Two. gas when he's, when he's, he's on. Mm-hmm. But he throws, like, Wild Thing when he's off. <laughs> 
I was I was thinking he was going to have more strikeouts with with his stuff, and he really doesn't. He's got eight point six three strikeouts per nine, which is a little, a little under average. Yeah, um, movement on that fastball, which yeah. is if you can pump ninety eight consistently, it will get you out of a lot of problems. Right. But if it doesn't have a lot of movement, hitters are eventually going to pick up on it. I mean, if he gets a guy that fouls off a few, mm. he's eventually going to time that thing up, and it's got a movement, so. It's going to get smacked pretty hard. Yeah. How do you feel um, a BABIP relates to um, – for those who don't know what BABIP is, it's like if you if you hit enough balls in play, some are just going to fall and hit some holes. And if you have higher than a 300, you're probably going to have that equalized down to 300. If you're lower than 300, you'll probably have that equalized up. So Estevez's BABIP last year was 360, saying that maybe hitters were a little bit luckier last year. Or at least that's what we would think it would be. But does that relate very well to relief pitchers, you think? No, nah, it's too small of a sample size. And Coors consistently has a higher BABIP than any other ballpark just because of how big the outfield is. Yeah. So I, I, well, that's why any, we go. Yeah, with any Rockies pitcher, BABIP is not as not as telling as it is for a lot of other Right, which is how we also go. This is why we talk about the advanced statistics, and that's why I bring up BABIP of three sixty. Like, well, is that really telling? If you look at Carlos Estevez's ERA, it was terrible, five point five seven. But his fielding independent pitching um, is three point eight four. You know, yeah. You, I mean, you would expect with a reliever with how many minimal amount of innings they throw. I mean, one outing can kill your ERA. Obviously, that's not the case with Carlos. We know that, but. You know, it's a little bit different. Relievers are a lot harder to kind of assess it with a lot of statistics just because the sample size is just so small. Exactly. Um, his win probability added was like 0.89. So it's okay. It's basically a net zero. Yeah. But it's not negative. That's, uh, that's exactly yeah. it. Not Jordan Lyons. Uh, God, I feel like we're going to buy Jordan Lyles like a fruit basket by the end of this podcast. <laughs> I think we've referenced him in every single episode. He doesn't play for, doesn't play for Cheater. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be like the 70th episode and then like the like hour and a half mark. Like, and Jordan Lyles. And Jordan Lyles. Jordan Lyles. So the other uniquely qualified to talk about bad bullpens is Mr. Alex here because even when the Tigers were good, they had a bad bullpen. <laughs> Well, that's what I said. You know, the trolls of my thing. It's just like, yo, well, you got some guy coming out of the pen who can throw, you know, tripped edge. Cool, awesome. I wonder what's gonna happen. He's gonna play guitar here on. There's you know, <laughs> a bunch of series. Yeah. So we basically think we have our bullpen. I mean, we've got a pretty damn good bullpen. I think as long as Otto finds his control, Dunn is when he is on his best. Oberg is Broberg, not an Oberg. And Estevez can put some movement on his pitches. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, and we've got, I mentioned this either last episode or the episode before, we've got Yancy Almonte and Ryan Castellani who are probably going to make their debuts next year. Mm-hmm. Yancy, uh, some scouts think Yancy profiles as a, a reliever, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got him starting right now, but uh, both of them will probably make their debut sometime this year, whether it's due to injury or because they're just killing AAA. Yeah. Um, so they'll probably help out the bullpen at some point. Um, Yancy is, uh, I would I would compare Yancy to uh, Marquez without a curveball. Yancy's got a good slider, fastball that can get up to like 98, 99. Um, 
which when he's starting, it doesn't get that high. But as a reliever, he can he'll be able to pump it up pretty yeah. high. There's so a I think even if you know Estevez has a rough year or Mike Dunn gets his back hurt or whatever, you know we've still got guys down there that can help out um, that we should see sometime this year. And I think overall, as the year goes on, that'll probably be our strength of our team. Mm. Probably the best part. Everything that uh, we grade out positively will be bullpen will be the top one i definitely want to talk about yancy almonte um more probably like next week with uh, a lot of other people who we want to know more about but i wanted to talk about the numbers at least wade davis brian shaw jake mcgee adam Ottavino, mike dunn chris russin scott oberg carlos stevis we've got eight are we gonna That's go probably how much we'll carry so what about your boy senzi i I, if I were to, <laughs> you're so distraught. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you just broke your heart right there. I know. I know. You got left at the prom. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here's what I'll say. I bet since Tell starts the year in AAA, he will just like Jeff. Hopkins, <clears throat> but I think the first injury that happens, whether it's to a starter or to a reliever, since Tell will be the first call, Good. and it'll probably be pretty early on just playing a lot of averages. But I'm not sure. I mean, I think, I think, I want to say it was either Breidich or Foster or Black, one of the three. And so that they still will think of Sensatella as a starter. So I'm not sure if they're willing to employ him as the right-handed Chris Russell, which I think he would excel at. But I don't know if they're willing to do it. It doesn't sound like they're willing to do that, which is unfortunate from my perspective. Mm-hmm. But... So he'll probably be in AAA to start the year and actually be starting games. Our AAA uh, rotation is going to be pretty sick. Trevor, it's probably going to be Jeff Hoffman, Antonio Sensatella, Yancy Almonte, mm-hmm. Ryan Castellani, yep. and some other dude. So the other thing with Senzi you got to talk about, Senzi had, like, if somebody wants to bring up splits, had, what, did, was he a player of the week or month in the early? Uh, he was rookie of the month in either April or May. Yeah. And that was because people were like, what does this guy have? And then they figured out what he had. And he has fastball, slider. And that's it. Yeah. So I mean, intentional blank space. If you throw him well, you can, you can get away with the fastball and the slider. Um, Which he did originally. Yeah. And let me, let me just throw something out there about Sensatella just because I'm going to defend my boy. boy. He missed almost all of 2016 because of a shoulder issue and then his mom died so he went back to Venezuela and the Rockies were willing to let him just spend the rest of the year in Venezuela with his family. Yeah. So, I would say for 2017 after pitching only I think he's pitched seven games in 2016 to be able to come in and be the rookie of the year in April or May whichever one it was yeah. is pretty sweet. And he's still, I mean, he turned he turned 23 a couple weeks ago so he's still a really young guy. He could get a lot better. Um, if we look at his splits over um, with weight on base percentage or weight on base average, um, his March April where he was probably a rookie, he had a 289 weight on base. May went to 308. June he exploded up to 391 and just lost it. You know that's when we were like, wait, does this guy have anything? And then um, July comes around, he throws a lot less innings, 12 innings, gets down to 328. August comes around, he's got a 331. September October he throws nine innings, small sample size, but has a weight on base of 280. So maybe he started feeling he out again, you know, that peak of well, June. And like I said, with him only pitching seven games in 2016, 
I'm sure fatigue played a part in it. Definitely. Yeah. Just like Freeland, just like Marquez. We have a very young team. Extremely. You have a young team that that not only are they young, but none of those guys had ever pitched the amount of innings they pitched last year. And they all came out and pitched more innings than they had ever pitched and did it really, really well. So, it's, yeah, I think something to be excited about. There's, I mean, I know there's going to be some regression from those young guys, but I just I can't help but be super optimistic about all of them. Which means that we have a young team who's going to get really, really good now to next year, which means can we talk for very, very limited time about that rumor of that will never happen of signing J.D. Martinez. Okay, so somebody had thrown this out there that we were $25 million short of our payroll last year, and we all know that Mr. Montfort gave us the blessing to have the same payroll. $25 million seems to fit with J.D. Martinez. For one year, it's there's probably yeah I'd be I mean I'd be cool with four I don't care but <coughs> there's probably it's probably a point zero 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 one percent chance of happening, but he would fix our offense everything a lot. But if he played right field, no, <laughs> that would JD it would Martin, not be pretty. JD Martinez to me is nineteen ninety nine Dante who had 133 RBIs, batted 300, had a 900 OPS, hit uh, 34 home runs, and was worth negative 2.3 B <laughs> I was really hoping you weren't reading that. You just, like, memorized it when you were, like, 10. His defense was so bad that he was worth negative 2.3 war after putting up a 35 home oh, run God. season. Um, really quick war mention. Um, war isn't just offense it also affects defense it's basically how many wins you are worth to a team above an average player Alex give us wax poetic about your boy JD Martinez oh I love that dude that guy <laughs> I mean, his, his first season in Detroit I, I was convinced for a couple of months I was like this dude's gonna win the MVP like I don't like fuck Cabrera like this guy is gonna be our MVP he would, he would show up in like the biggest moments with these, you know, huge hits when you absolutely needed them, you know, and thinking back on his time with the Tigers, yeah, I don't remember a big defensive play, so I guess you guys are right, but, but yeah, I mean, that bat was just, I mean, you could always count on him mm. to just, you know, come through with, with even when, when he was on the team and we were really bad, still, always J.D. Martinez and Ian Kinsler, those two guys, the only two we're worth watching for months on end. But the issue is we're not going to give him five years. Even if we had $25 million just to spend on J.D. Martinez every single year, there is 0% chance that it happens. It would make so much sense, though. We put J.D. Martinez at first. We're a complete team. Yeah, that would be... Uh, J.D. Martinez doesn't want to sign as a D.H. only, you know, because he, he says he can play defense. No, he can't. So, I know. He says he can. Carlos Gonzalez is the same thing, which is the whole reason why he's free agent. Hey, he did like I two great catches last year. Well, and I'm sure JD had. I mean, when JD injured his elbow, that was a pretty sweet catch running into the wall. <laughs> he broke his elbow on it. Just get a new elbow. <laughs> so, so there's zero percent chance I, I would, to sign JD. I, I would, I would say, if 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 we were to sign JD Martinez, it would be because. Um, Scott Boris called Breidich. I don't think Breidich would ever reach out to J.D. Martinez and his camp and Scott Boris. I think it would be the other way around. All right. So one of the other things, that, reasons that I wanted to talk about the bullpen today 
is that bullpen is real, real good. And the uh, Pocota, um, uh the projections for next year came out for Baseball Prospectus telling us what we think, what they think they would expect from our team. And they think we're going to be a 78 and 84 team. So I don't know if you guys looked. When you click on the actual team, you can get to their uh, Baseball Prospectus's um, war valuation. It's called Warp. And so you can click on it, and it'll give you what they think each player is worth. And they have Nolan Arenado as a three and a half war player, which I will take the over on that pretty easily. Mm-hmm. You know what? They they also have Ian Desmond as a big one point two. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a negative one point two. <laughs> big red <laughs> numbers. It's still possible Ian Desmond has a great year. I think I just keep talking badly about him so that way somehow he can like come to my house and like have hit like thirty home runs and just punch me right in the face. I'd be fine You're with it. You're the motivation it. he needs. That's the thing. You're the motivation. <laughs> such a, that's such a huge contract. It's crazy, man. Yeah, oh, which is why we can't do J.D. Martinez or anything right. now. That yes. contract to Ian Desmond screwed a lot of our future, maybe. And Gerardo Parra. The thing, I say it over and over and over again, the thing about that Ian Desmond contract is there's, I just can't see a scenario where it suddenly makes sense. It, I don't think that contract Never. matter. Five years of it, I don't think there will ever be a point to me that I go, oh, wow, okay, I see, now I see why we signed Desmond. I just don't understand it. Okay, 40 steals and 40 doubles in a season, maybe. He's <laughs> not a doubles hitter. He's not a stealer. He, he just never, like, his career has never trended that way. And well, suddenly, maybe he can, like, sign him as a smarter ground ball hitter. You know, he could get really good at bunting again. Yeah, like we said, raise that, uh, raise that launch. You know what? Um, I actually have an under um, on Trevor Story's projection. I think he's got a two WAR projection, and I really like Trevor Story, and he's got a lot of pop, and his defense is actually really great. I mean, you remember that that catch in in left field? Who was that against? It was such a huge play. Giants, Dodgers. It was the White Sox. White oh Sox? no, I'm thinking of Friday Park. My bad. You, I think um, yeah, when you did that behind the back, not behind the back, not the running down. backwards. Yeah, Superman. So I mean, even if he has like that great of defense and he's got that arm, is he worth two? Yeah, I Probably. think so. Two seems about right for him. Two is about uh, two is considered a good starter, and I think that's about where he's at. But yeah, that catch was against the Giants. Ah. When when MLB Network was coming out with some of their stuff. Um, you know they do their their positional rankings every year, and they had Trevor at nine. And of course, baseball subreddit threw a fit about it. But Story's defense is significantly underrated. I think I think it's everybody true. saw him hit a bunch of home runs in April of 2016, and they suddenly just Trevor was a slugger, and that's the way that people look at him. And if you watch Trevor Story play baseball today, he's a hell of a defender. He is so much more than just a slugger, and people just don't they don't they don't see it. Yeah. Well, um, and- Good. He's he's like a three true outcome hitter, but he doesn't walk enough to really be a three true outcome hitter, <laughs> which which will always hurt him. He's kind of like Adam Dunn that doesn't walk, which is kind of a problem. You want to define your three <laughs> true outcome hitter? Yeah, I, if if Trevor, I mean, it's it's incredibly difficult to learn to take a walk if you've never done it in your minor league. Especially career. if you're DJ. Shout out Golden Lance. <laughs> but yeah, if Trevor Story could move his walk rate up to. Anything like eight percent, you'd be a lot more valuable. Okay, did you guys already look at Trevor Story's K percentage last year, or are you looking at it right now? Because you should just take a guess. Uh, guess before 88. looking. 
28. Any other guesses? Alex, what you got? You got nothing. Um, All right, I've got 20, I'm going to say 26.5. Okay, so his K percentage last year was (laughs) 34.4. That's awful. That's pretty bad. You cannot strike out that much at Coors or anywhere else. It doesn't matter where you're at. You can't strike out that much. Especially if he's, if we were talking about it like what, a couple weeks ago, uh, putting him in the four hole, you can't strike out in the four hole that much. What's, what was, look up, uh, let's look up Chris Bryant's rookie year when everybody said he was the best player ever already. I think mm-hmm. he struck out in the 30th percent of the time as well. Struck out a lot. And Trevor is, tw- Trevor's 25, and he's always had problems with strikeouts. Um, always. Yeah. He had to repeat A and AA because of it. Yeah. But the only thing I really want to talk about with him is his fielding. Then, uh, on the the scene of hit all those runs, I think it's the strikeouts that make people think he's not a good defender. Which I know doesn't make sense, but it's you. You, you see, like he's a liability. So then, anytime he does anything wrong in the field or doesn't make a big play or whatever, it's just like, oh, this eaten again. I think you know that's what it is. One of those things too that when you you think of a slugger in your mind, you think of Adam, of uh, David Ortiz. You think of guys like that who. You cut out the worst times. Adam. Get that slugger. Adam Dunn. Name applied to you. It's like defender anymore. You just you're just not allowed to be. And right. so everybody, because he's that three true outcome player. Yeah, like John was saying, he just. If you're that player, you're not a good defender, and that's just how the world works in people's mind. I mean, well, for he's a long not... time, shortstop was not a position where you had somebody who was big and could hit a lot of home runs. I mean, Cal Ripken was like the only guy who was big, and then Troy Tulowitzki came around and he was big. And Trevor Story's not as big as those two, but he's still a big guy. He's right. still a big guy. I mean, I'm yeah. not I'm not small in, in any sense of the word. And uh, the first time I met Trevor Story, like standing face-to-face with him, I was very impressed with how mm-hmm. big Trevor Story is. Yeah, yeah. and so it, I think his body type doesn't it makes you look at – because I can honestly say I didn't think he was a good defender his rookie year that – how many of our games he played. Yeah. But then last year – and I, I mean, even I'll admit – I was surprised when I saw his defensive metrics because it felt like, yeah, he made really amazing plays, but so did Derek Jeter, and he graded terribly. I think he's more of an eye eye player, you know? Like, his stats don't actually tell that much. I mean, his his ultimate zone rating is, like, 1.6. In 2016, it was negative. Um, His range wasn't really good. Um, Out of the zone plays weren't that many. He, He did make some remote plays last year. Uh, where there's one to ten percent probability of somebody making that same play, um, I don't think there's enough real data on him to really back up our our willingness to talk about his good defense. But maybe next year there'll be a little bit better data because he looks and, like he can play shortstop. Yeah, and that's I know we're kind of getting off track here, but uh, I know a lot of people in the sub last year were saying, "Oh, I can't wait for Brendan Rodgers to come up to replace Trevor Story." Brennan Rodgers is not as good of a defender as Trevor Story. If Brennan Rodgers gets on this team, he's not the shortstop. Hmm. He will be a second base. He'll be second base and DJ will be gone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, for whenever people in the game threads will start saying they can't wait for Brennan Rodgers, whenever Trevor Story messes up, he's, he's not replacing Trevor Story. He's pretty good. It's not happening. Um, so let's do a couple more projections um, and then kind of wrap things. Um, who feels like Para is going to be negative 0.9? Me. Yeah. Yeah, I am, I am 
I am always low on Haradapara, and that is mostly, one, because he destroyed us when he was against us always, and it pissed me off. And then when he got on our team, he was awful, and it pissed me off even further. Yeah. So I will always think of Haradapara as not very good. I always well, want more slugging out of him. He had a really bad 2016, and so then in comparison to his 2016, he looked good in 2017, but he still wasn't good in 2017. He just was <laughs> <laughs> No. And I... I made a comment on the sub a few weeks ago about, you know, our. I think it was who are we going to waste the bats on when Alexei Ramirez or Alexei Amarista signed with Detroit? Shout out to Alex. Hmm. Um, and I and somebody said, you know, who are we going to waste that bats on now? And I said, Ian Desmond, Harada Par, and I got a lot of flack for Harada Par in that mm-hmm. one. But I'm telling you, like, the dude, it's just not very good. He was a, he was a below average hitter last year again. Yeah, he was he, he was a ninety wins runs creative plus. Yeah. So he wasn't quite there. Um, negative 10 war offensively and his defense is is pretty average too i mean except for that one game versus arizona can we talk about that one arizona game oh you gotta you gotta watch that one arizona game i think it was like august or september he makes two amazing catches in the wall and then just like shouts at the bullpen and i remember that yeah but it was it wasn't to be fair to Parra, it wasn't him shouting at the bullpen like out of aggression. It was him giving shit to the guys that he used to play with. Exactly. It was all in good fun. But the thing is, Gerardo Parra looked a lot better last year because he improved his average um, from 253 in 2016 to 309 and his on-base percentage from 271 to 341 and his slugging from 399 to 452. Check out his uh, high-leverage situations for 2016. So the high, his high-leverage situations... Uh, I found it really quick, Zach. Um, he struck out 26% of the time. Uh, he had a WRC plus of 70. Um, he had his, his average was 310, his OVP was 314, but his, you know he only slugged 448. Yeah, Paro was not good in high leverage situations. And, you know, as obviously a lot of these things are going to be lower because he was only a 90 WRC plus player, but even in, in, in low leverage situations, Paro was still at low average player he had a 98 wrc plus para in a vacuum still didn't have a good year last year it just looked better than 2016 oh yeah and i i'm trying to find it but in 2016 when in high leverage situations he had like a a negative way to run straight plus other splits it's like you like the four of us right here sitting here talking were more productive than Gerardo Parra was in twenty sixteen in high level situations. We're page. doing more now talking than he did in high level situations. The strikeout percentage not great. It's just it's such a surprise though too, because Parra I, I think when we signed him, you know, everybody thought it was a lot of money, but it wasn't it. I didn't think the Parra contract was as bad as the Desmond contract the days that they were signed. Is I didn't there? Think either, I didn't think it was as, nearly as bad as the Desmond contract, but Parra's contract so far has looked pretty bad. So can we like just talk to British for a second and say stop signing like average to below average outfielders who are going to get way too much money? Because what between Parra and Desmond, how much money is that wasted? To cut out J.D. Martinez. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> Are we doing twenty to Desmond each year? What is what was Parra's, it? Parra's on the last year of a three-year deal that was about ten a year. Yeah, He's got a got a option next year though, and if I fix that option up, I'm gonna flip. Jeez. You know how there 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 are teams out there, whether regardless of what sport it is, where you got a guy who 
is really good at judging one part of the game and isn't so good at judging another part of the game. You got to is Breidich the guy that he's a great bullpen signer, perennially good, and every time he signs a hitter, we're gonna go, holy shit, what was that? Yeah, <laughs> that sounds which is the opposite of everything in Coors Field. But so far, he hasn't made a bat signing that has been. Which I would think would be not as hard to do because you are playing in Coors Field. Just sign a guy you can hit. It's, but it, I mean, it's it's again like signing um, Desmond, who his entire career has put the ball on the ground. It doesn't make any sense at Coors Field, and he gave him seventy million. All you got to do is line drive percentage, and it'll get to the it'll get to the wall. Um, so the other reason we've talked about Pakoda is um, our record is projected to be seventy eight and eighty four. And I think we're a better team than that. Um, what 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 made me upset about Pakoda is I understand projecting us for an under 500 record. You know, I mean, projection systems look at an offense that wasn't very good last year. And they look at a pitching staff that should regress by mathematic standards. We have Ian Desmond. We've got Tapia's trying to learn. We got Dahl's trying to be healthy. We got McMahon, who who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and I completely understand our projection as far as that. What I don't understand is how the heck Arizona is nine games better than us. That doesn't make any sense to me. Arizona has a better offense than us. I will concede that. Mm-hmm. Our Both rotations have a question mark after their ace. Granky and Gray, we know what we're getting for those two. That after that, there's a lot of regression that can happen to both pitching staffs. And our bullpen is exponentially better than theirs. It makes no sense to me that a projection system has the nine games better than us. It makes no sense to me, and it upset me. What yeah. did Pakoda have us last year? I think right around the same. 78-84? Yeah, we were somewhere in the high 70s for wins. So we uh, overperformed our Pakoda by nine games. I know Ben actually talks about Pakoda a lot because he says that every year uh, Pakoda has the Rockies – underrated so there must be i mean there's some flaw in dakota that just doesn't give it to well the i mean Rockies. i would guarantee because the royals had the same thing where dakota would just crush them every single year even though they went to the playoffs two straight years at the world series two straight years and dakota would still have them somewhere around the 70 win mark as well or the high 70s win mark as well so maybe it's something with really good bullpens not very good offenses and starting pitching rotations that you think shouldn't be very good yeah. or should regress at least right it might have some flaw there. Well, the, the D-backs rotation, I think, is what really really brought them ahead. I mean, Granke wasn't as, was actually Granke again. You had Robbie Ray step up in a huge way. Corbin wasn't terrible. Tywin Walker was bounced back. Zach Godley is a guy who's actually doing pretty well. See, what I don't understand about Tywin Walker is how he works in Arizona. The dude doesn't strike out enough people to seem like he'd be successful in a hitter's park like Chase. And yet, he was pretty good last year. So he's one of those guys that I would expect to fall from his numbers last year just because he doesn't really strike out enough to really be successful in a hitter's park like Chase. Right, so, and what I'm trying to find is the Diamondbacks in 2016 were the 26th worst pitching team in 2016. 2017, they became a lot better. How much of that is attributed to Granky? Granky had a tear in 2016. Yeah, Granky well, was two point two WAR in 2016, and Robbie Ray was terrible, and Shelby Miller was terrible. Yeah, they had Daniel Hudson was terrible. Um, the Robbie De La Rosa, but what what if this is I I don't have things to back this up yet, but what if like Chris Iannetta somehow 
was like a difference maker for that. If they had such a bad rotation in 2016, and now they don't have Ionetta, can you can you give him enough credit for that? I I'm not sure you can, but I wish we could. He did pitch a majority of their games. Um, Ionetta so caught caught a majority of their games. He, yeah, he caught 89 games last year. Uh, Ionetta did. So he was a. I mean, he certainly was a big part of handling that rotation. Um, how much of it was? Him handling the rotation as opposed to them just, you know, there's been, some, there's been a lot of front office changes yeah. in, the, in the Diamondbacks organization over the past couple of years. Um, so, you know, that can be a little bit of that, too. I mean, how big do you think it was? They were the 26th worst pitching team in 2016, jump all the way to the fifth best pitching team in 2017. That can't all be Granky. Yeah, so for those that don't know about baseball prospectus, they have their own war, which I mentioned is called War. It's pretty favorable to uh, catchers because they are much more willing to delve into defensive metrics for catchers, and they weigh it a lot heavier than other places like B, uh, BB Ref and Fangraphs. So last year, um, Ionetta was worth 3.2 warp, which was much higher than he was on Baseball Reference and Fangraphs. But two years ago with Seattle, he was negative 1.6. And there's this uh, statistic, FRAA, which is kind of like the defensive metric for um, baseball prospectus. He was a positive 6.5 last year, but two years ago with uh, Seattle, he was a negative 15.6. So it it seems, and if you look at his page, his FRAA has been negative the vast majority of his career. He's only been positive in 2015 and 2017, and he was in zero in 2009 with us. Mm -hmm. So... He's not known as a great defender, so I don't know if that's the case. But he was graded positively last year, so I guess it could be partially true. He's also a catcher who's caught at Coors Field, knows what to expect, rather than, like, we got rookies or... I mean, Lucre wasn't bad, um, but he also didn't know what Coors Field was going to be like. I didn't, I didn't trust Hannigan to catch 50% of the balls that were thrown at him. Hey, he hit that one thing that one time. <laughs> Manigan. Hannigan um, the man again. Hannigan the man again. Um, so, but the other things that that Picotto's talk was talking about was, you know, Tapia and Dahl and McMahon, and are they going to be good enough? And then it kind of gets down to, well, what happens if somebody gets injured with like a Jordan Patterson or Mike Talkman? Is Tom Murphy going to have a role? And we kind of got to figure out what do we have in our farm system still. But I think that might be a question for another day, and. We can all rejoice that pitchers and catchers report this week. On on Wednesday, guys, don't forget that Wednesday is also Valentine's Day. Like, so you have to at least say Valentine's Day once, but um, be very good about the next Yes. Give your girl a baseball with a big heart on it. Oh, that's where all the pitchers buy their catchers, like roses. <laughs> and Alex, I definitely, I, I think we got, we have to put that dinger bitmoji. Dinger bitmoji. We, we mentioned back. sidebar, but. If it, if it was the background for the next couple of weeks, I wouldn't complain. I think it'd be hilarious. It would be hilarious, and then I might start having nightmares. Yeah, I mean, we are, <laughs> and if people want, you could be lucky and be the 5,280th person to subscribe to the Rock Pile. we got four more, um, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do to celebrate because um, we're uh, we might be some people talking about baseball, but it's all because you're a part of the community, so... Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to this uh, long, uh, drawn out but pretty pretty intense uh, 
session. And we'll if, be- it's, if you want to, we mention it every time. But if you want to talk, if you ever want to spend an hour on a Sunday talking baseball, we record every Sunday at one o'clock Mountain Time. For now, just drop us a note in the comments. We always like to let me on. I know nothing. I mean, and so <laughs> we got, we got. I think we got three people who I think weren't on. So you know, that's that's one of the reasons we're doing this is so that way everybody's got a voice. You know, this is this is your podcast too. So keep on listening. Um, so why don't we sign off or something? All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye.